Hi, and welcome to another edition of Lift and Tilt. We're a material handling podcast who focus on the issues uh, facing the material handling industry and uh, adjacent industries like uh, manufacturing, warehouse, uh, logistics, and distribution. Uh, We typically do that over an adult beverage, and uh, today we are drinking a... uh, a Pinot Noir. Is that is that how I say it right? Like, or at that's least that's enough. probably how we say it in Texas? <laughs> that's close enough. All right, so tell me what we're drinking today. Uh, so today we are drinking um, a pretty common Pinot. This is a uh, Miomi. So it is seems to be a kind of a blend um, from a Pinot standpoint. Uh, you've got... From three different counties. Three different in. counties. So you've got... Uh, Contributions from Monterey County, Santa Barbara, and Sonoma. So, um, apparently, the the word Miomi means coast, and it's the language of the California Wapo tribe. So, um, I think what they try to do here is from each of the the vineyards, they try to kind of get the best expression of everything from the California coast. So. Um, in, in their words here, uh, a layered blend of Santa Barbara's spice-filled aromas, Sonoma's bright berry flavors, and Monterey's rich textures. So, um, it's pretty inexpensive. Um, I know some, th- those of you that are much more, um, experienced wine drinkers. Would you have probably, a very sophisticated palate. Well, I'm just saying... You know, it, it is one of those ones that has a screw top, and in some some circles, that's just a travesty. So, um, but we're not wine snobs and know very little, I guess, in the real world, you know, the grand scheme of things as, as uh, it pertains yeah. to wine. So well, We say it's inexpensive, but, I mean, if you were to go and, and buy a bottle of this, I've seen it at restaurants for $75 a bottle, anywhere between $50 and $75 a bottle. Now, you and I would not ever pay that for a bottle no and i think usually like if we go to world market uh shopping you know if you're a member you get discounts if you buy at least four bottles so i think in the grand grand total it's maybe like 26 dollars a bottle at the store when we buy and you know yeah and we probably with the discounts we probably get it around 18 or something like that so. so um anyway it's um it's a good wine, and for me, I guess it's a... It's a good starter wine for folks that... For I reds, think, people for that... For reds, yes. For reds, if you don't want something that's super dry. And I think for us, like, not knowing and not having a lot of experience with wine, if you drink a super dry wine just off the bat, it kind of turns you off wine in general. You're like, oh, that's terrible. But we've kind of learned what we like in the in the flavors and the taste and the type of wine that we prefer so uh miomi is a good wine for us because it's it's smooth it's not super dry um it's actually pretty sweet for a red wine if you ask me in fact as we you know when we first started uh this was probably one of the i don't know first two or three bottles of wine that we really ever consumed and, and we thought that it was a really good wine now that we've been drinking wine for I don't know three or four years now, um, I still enjoy it, yeah. but it's almost too sweet for me. Yeah, it's kind of gotten to where yeah, it is. It is a bit sweet now, <laughs> which is funny to kind of think that our tastes have changed. But I guess it's just evolved and grown <laughs> since we started drinking. But still a good wine to have on hand. Again, not expensive, so it's inexpensive. 
Um, but yeah, just a yeah. It probably costs you twelve dollars a glass or something at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a wine that if you've um, either you've been hesitant to try reds or you tried one and you didn't like it, um, and and you still kind of have that that you know I'd really like to like wine, but for whatever yeah. reason it just it doesn't agree with right. me. This is a good wine to to start with and try out. Uh, or if you're in a, uh, a situation at a business meeting or, or what have you, and uh, you know everybody else is drinking wine and you, you kind of want to fit in, whatever it might be, uh, you know maybe other people that doesn't bother them. I always try to kind of go with the cl- crowd and make everybody, uh, you know, try to try to fit in, which I obviously don't very well by anybody that can that really knows me. Um, but this is a, a good wine to to order, right. um, if. If red is something, a red wine is, is something that you typically don't like. All right. All right. On to what we're actually talking about. We're we're here at the end of the year of 2020. Uh, you know, we're fixing to move into 2021. Um, obviously, there's been unprecedented unprecedented things that have happened uh, in 2020. Yeah. Uh, I like many other people. I'm ready to close the book on 2020 <laughs> and and you know keep my fingers crossed that 2021 is much better so really that's kind of what we're talking about today is uh moving into 2021 you know what what to expect what are the trends what are things that are going to happen what are the predictions and forecast um for uh the industries that we we typically talk about you know uh for manufacturers warehouse distributors uh, just material handling in general mm-hmm. right so Kind of the way we started this out is we, we did some research. You know, there's a lot of uh, um, trade publications, uh, you know, business magazines, Forbes, Fortune, what have you, uh, and they all do these, you know, forward looking. What's the next year going to look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, we found a couple different articles. One is from Industry Week. Uh, they have six different uh, things that they're looking at, right. and uh, they actually did a, uh, I guess, a, an informal study or uh, hired a, a group called the Alexander Group to. Uh, interview 60 executives that are kind of in the industry to ask them kind of what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also found um, uh, a forecast or, or what have you from Deloitte and Touche that talks about, you know, the things that they're looking at moving forward and uh, how they see the industry kind of being reshaped and what have you. Yeah. So uh, that, that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's kind of what we're getting into now. Some of the things that, um, you know, or, or we're looking forward to or kind of things that are going to be implemented in 2021, a, a lot of it has just been impacted because of COVID. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about things that have to do with technology. We're going to have to be talking about things that do with the labor force, uh, automation, um, just how business operates in general and while some of these things are very specific to manufacturing most of them are things that uh, basically really apply to any business that is dealing with uh, what's been going on this this past year yeah so the first thing that they talked about um, in from the uh, the Alexander study was kind of a, a ad- adoption of uh, new customer preferences. Now we had seen that uh, you know I, my background's in marketing. We've seen this for a number of years now, where customers uh, the their buying preferences have changed and their the sales cycle has changed. And what I mean by that is uh, they've been much more informed customers than we've ever seen before. You know, they're doing their own research. And a lot of that is made possible by the fact that 
you know, uh, the access to information. Right. You have everything's it. Everything's available. Everything's online. Everybody has uh, you know a website. There's videos. There's review videos. There's podcasts about right. you know, whatever. Everybody else's opinions. <laughs> yeah. So you have a, a you know you have a ton of knowledge out there, and and customers already know. Uh, you know what they're looking at, and probably know as much, if not more, than some of your salespeople sometimes uh, when they're making a purchase. Yeah, um, I, like you said, I think it's just the the access to information, and the and and you could not just specific to the product, just like dimensions and you know all that kind of sure. tangible stuff. But yeah, every so many opinion reviews now, like you can pretty much go online for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll you'll find somebody's written a review on it. Or right. There's a video, or there's an unboxing. You know, if it's that kind of product. But sure. And some of it's generational too. Um, you know, you've had uh, you know I think millennials and Gen Xers and uh, whatever they're calling the 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 group after that. Um, I know I've seen a name for it, but I don't yeah, remember I don't know what if it comes is. After millennials, I don't remember. But they're, they're millennials. They're actually, you know, some of the largest buying groups right now. Uh, they've moved into the workforce. They're being given jobs that, uh, you know. Um, so if you're in a B two B space, you know that that's kind of dictating that as well. Yeah. Um, so you have all of this that was already going on before, and it's just been accelerated because of COVID and uh, people not being able to get out. Uh, it's forcing some of the older generation to learn new tricks um, and, and utilize technology maybe that they weren't using before. Uh, you're seeing probably, uh, I don't want to say forced retirement, but probably uh, in cases where, you know, instead of just laying off their workforce, they're probably, you know, companies have been looking at, okay, you know, these people are getting retirement age. Let's offer them severance yeah, packages and right. see if we can kind of... We can motivate them to maybe do right. a little earlier than expected. Right. So so you have kind of this shift um, that's happening. And because of all of those things, you know, people are really, really looking for, uh, I, I want to say, almost a customized sales experience. And that's really what this is talking about. Because these customers... Uh, you know, have very, very rapidly changing demands. Uh, they have digitally enabled buying channels. They they expect these things. So, you know, we've been seeing the, kind of the buzzword big data for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is really what this speaks to. You know, how do you know that XYZ customer wants this and uh, how can we deliver it to them in a manner that isn't generic? It's not a shotgun approach. I want to know uh, you, Mandy, you know, like this, this, and this, and I want yeah. to deliver uh, either an email mm-hmm. or some type of collateral, or the sales guy is going to be armed with information yeah. that's going to be tailored to you uh, from the from the get go. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into that. There's some there's training that goes in with your sales people. There's providing them with digital tools, maybe that they didn't have to enable them, um, and. Uh, in, having um, the infrastructure to be able to pull it all off. Yeah. So there's been a lot of that going on, and that's going to continue um, moving into the new year. The second thing they talked about was kind of optimizing a go-to-market approach um, for new and strategic offerings. And really what the, to me, when I looked at it and, and read what they were talking about, was really um, kind of the business model. You're seeing a lot of companies move to uh, either software as a service or product as a service, mm-hmm. um, where it's a subscription-based model. 
And that's kind of, uh, it's a very different approach than simply just purchasing something right. and then repurchasing. Yeah, and I, I think it, it makes sense. And it was probably uh, something that everybody was moving towards before the pandemic mm-hmm. hit anyway. It was just kind of made it um, more, it increased the urgency around it. Yeah, well, having to kind of people were looking at, you know, how can I reduce my budget because I don't have right. as much money coming in. Uh, instead of purchasing this new product for $30,000, I can pay, you know, X amount of a month. Yeah. And if I don't need it or I don't need as many licenses, I can cut it off. Right. Yeah. So you, you definitely have that that's going on. Um, but on the, the other side of it from... Uh, you know, the person delivering those types of services, you again, you have to have the infrastructure to do it. So that right. means uh, increased focus on, uh, you know, IT. Mm-hmm. You have to have personnel to do that, which right. are typically higher paid uh, employees. Right. Um, all of this integration and these kind of uh, innovative type selling models um you know that that's not going away that's going to continue right uh, you can't give something to somebody that is a better uh, you can't give somebody a better mouse trap and then because things change and oh, then we're going back to the old mouse yeah trap. It, it doesn't work that way so you know that's that's definitely kind of a driving force uh, in the coming year um, the third thing they talked about was integrating marketing sales and service and, um, you know, I think a lot of businesses have been doing this. Uh, I know in our business, you know, I've, I've worked in, in marketing for 20 plus years now. And we were always seen kind of as a siloed, you know, those are the marketing guys. And you usually kind of fell into one of three categories if you were a marketing person. Uh, you were the creative person, which people say, oh, you, you know, you, you draw pretty pictures. You make the ads. Yeah. <laughs> it, which it's totally so simplified that that is not in any way, but that's how people saw you. Sure. Uh, the other category you fell into is you were like a data nerd. Yeah. You know, you, you did a lot with, yeah, you did a lot with spreadsheets. You looked at, uh, you know, percentages of, you know, segmentations and what have you. Um, and the third kind of area that people fell into, you know, is you were the business minded or strategic person. Uh, you didn't have any of the skill sets. You just kind of managed those people. Yeah. And, um, now you're seeing these people finally, to in, in my opinion, actually being utilized for what they really are. Is is they're very business minded people. Yeah. And they can take, you know, if you're a service type industry, they take all that analytical skill that they had and they bring it in and they start looking at all the data that you had mm-hmm. and start telling you, well, why are you doing it this way? Because like. You can see lots of trends. Right. I mean, there's a lot to be gleaned from from all the data that's out there. Right. If you know what you're looking for and how to use it. Right. And so they're doing that. They're they're looking at sales functions and saying, uh, instead of just hiring more salespeople or going out and uh, spending all this money on a marketing campaign or whatever, why don't we try to make your sales team smarter? And what I mean by that is, like, let's put them in the right place at the right time to make the right sale. Right. Instead of yeah cold calling. Right. Um, so you're, you're having a lot of impact from marketing in other business areas. And that's kind of what they were talking about here is that, um, you have these integrations where maybe, uh, 
you know, they're doing a better job of helping qualify leads for the sales department. They're build, uh, building digital tools that enable your uh, your sales team to uh, you know be more efficient. Maybe a yeah. you know a cam card, for example, is a, a an app that's on your phone. You can take a picture of uh, a business card, yeah, and it it makes it into a database. So then it's all you can segment everything, you can search everything, you can build a list off of it. Makes things much much easier. Um, you have again they're supporting. The subscription, I can't even speak. Subscription-based sales models now, kind of in a, a customer service type area, um, and they're providing increased responsiveness uh, to make your service teams better. So, uh, you know, search um, uh, Safe Light, uh, the people that repair window, um, uh, your glass and your windshields and what have you. You know, they have all these digital tools now that when they're in the field, uh, you know. John is on his way. John is at your car. John is making the repair right yeah, now. Yeah. John is done. You're ready to drive off. Those are all marketing tools uh, that are used to communicate with the customer, but it creates great value for the customer. Sure. It's not simply a, it's not an advertisement. No, it's it's more peace of mind and you you know what's happening when it's happening kind of in real time. Right. Um Beyond convenience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, we talked a lot about how the analytics part of this is being integrated. You know, I know at, at your company, uh, kind of the new role that you have in, in finance, uh, you know, a lot of what you're doing now is is business analytics. It is, yeah, helping uh, some of the other business functions since they are, you know, we partner as finance, we partner with the other functions. So marketing, mm-hmm. sales. Um, customer service, supply chain, um, but yeah, kind of helping them develop and understand. There's so much data, so many, you yeah. know, so much information out there. Yeah, and how does it affect the money? Where's where's the return on investment? Yeah. Um, you know, how, what is your spend? What should your budgets be? Yep. Um, how do you stay within that? How do we track uh, sales and and are we on track or not? Yeah. Uh, to meet our goals. All of those things are a role, or kind of a new role for you, and kind of, from what I understand, a new role for your company. Um, somewhat, I think it's 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 always been there, but it's not been very organized, I guess. So, mm-hmm. it, the we were always doing analytics before, but it was kind of as needed and when folks had time. <laughs> so now it's more of a dedicated focus mm-hmm. uh, because we know it's very important and it can drive actionable results. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot more focus. And for sure, we'll be continued more focus in 2021 just because we know it's valuable and sure. the, the business uh, needs it. <laughs> yeah, and all the data visualization tools that you guys use, Tableau. Yeah, we have, we have the Tableau for the visualization, Alteryx for the... Um, kind of manipulating the data, not manipulating, cleaning it right. so that's usable. Um, right. Yeah, it's all super helpful. Yeah. All right. The fourth thing they talked about was kind of evolving uh, direct and indirect channel strategies. So um, a lot of manufacturers now, uh, because of, of uh, kind of this forced uh, lack of face-to-face customer interaction, mm-hmm. are developing digital dashboards to... Uh, allow customers the ability to see what's going on with their account, with their orders, right. um, you know, 
making recommendations of when they may need to reorder or things they may be low on, mm-hmm. uh, fleet management. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of uh, uses that, that can be utilized sure. um, in this. But they're also using that as a, um, a way to drive sales, um, you know, particularly if it's integrated with their e-commerce or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw you're getting low on X widgets, uh, you know, yeah, buy here now and save replenish. 10% or, yeah. you know, let us replenish or, or what have you. <clears throat> so you're seeing this kind of rise in digital channels and uh, manufacturers are kind of moving in mass either to, you know, pure direct selling models uh, where they're bypassing the distributors uh, fully, or they're partnering with uh, man, uh, with uh, distributors that have uh, strong digital channels, and so they can align with them strategically. Um, which kind of brings to the the fifth trend, and it was talking about aligning talent and uh, compensation to growth strategy. So. Because um, they're looking for alignment uh, with their strategy, um, you know, it, it's um, it's important that they choose partners one that not only have the capabilities to do what they want to do strategically, um, but also have the talent and what have you to be able to execute. Right. And um, you know, we're in a highly competitive job market. Uh, you know, it's. It's odd because you have so many people that are looking for work right now, but then the companies are saying there's a talent shortage. Well, I, I think that's because of the type of talent they're looking for. Uh, the folks that are unemployed aren't necessarily aligned with the skill sure. set that you're trying to find. So it's unfortunate <laughs> that, you know, we're in the situation we're in, but... Yeah, and and when we talk about that, they're primarily looking for people that are uh, digitally proficient um, or have a lot of computer skills. Right. Um, and those are the people that still have jobs because they're there's a lot of remote work going on sure. and and what have you. Right. So, um, and, and I think it it becomes twofold. Not only um, are you looking to either hire that type of talent, train people that you currently have that have the aptitude to learn that. Sure. But three, which I, in my opinion is the most important, is the retainment of the people that you have. Yeah, because if you're fortunate enough to have uh, a, a workforce and a, a skilled, I guess, labor situation where you, you can retain the employees in a kind of an economic environment that we're in. Uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no doubt you don't want to lose them to somebody else that may be offering something better. Um, you, you want to hold on to them because otherwise you're going to be in the same boat everybody else is in. Sure. And we've talked a lot about culture on the podcast, you know, whether it's having a winning culture or uh, how culture affects um the team dynamics, uh, you know, we did a specific episode, which really was a lot about this because of um, the team dynamics that are that are caused because of COVID. You had a lot of yeah right, wrong, or indifferent. There was a lot of polarizing opinions, right, of how to respond. Sure. You know, everybody wanted it to be done and over with. Yeah, um, but but how that process occurs or whatever, I think you're going to see 
once the economy kind of recovers, the job market starts to flow back again, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see companies that handled the uh, were kind of aligned in terms of the, the cultural um, values that they had mm-hmm. with their employees yeah. are going to have great retainment. Yeah. And I think the companies that didn't have a very good alignment culturally mm-hmm. with the people, you're going to see an, a mass exodus yeah. of talent. Right. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of unfortunate, you know. It is because um, it, it's sad that it took a pandemic to... To highlight that. To highlight that. Um, so, yes, like you said, it is unfortunate for those companies that didn't respond quickly or respond in a way that made the employee feel safe. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things to unpack there and a lot of things that, um, you know, moving forward that people are going to have to think about um, as, as things begin to yeah. continue to evolve. And even those companies that did... Um, to do a good job it's it's kind of understanding that like there is no going back to what it was pre-pandemic even just from a, like a workplace situation environment sure. you know the fact that so many companies were able to execute remotely mm-hmm. um i think it's going to change forever kind sure. of the the flexibility that's going to be offered to employees knowing that hey we could still do everything we could do in the office remotely sure. so i think it it's going to it's going to be a far reaching impact yeah well i mean you sent me uh, the other day an, an email that you guys received from uh, kind of y'all's you know c suite executives mm-hmm. about kind of what to expect in 2021 um, and, and working arrangements and uh, you know, I, I thought from a, you know, a communication standpoint, you know, a PR standpoint, it was really, uh, it was a good message to send, yeah. uh, basically said, you know, we're, we're continuing, uh, the efforts that we currently have now mm-hmm. with remote work and what have you staying mm-hmm. safe. We're going to, we're going to revisit it at the end of, uh, I don't remember if it was Q1 or Q2. Q1, I think they said, yeah. Um, and again, things will change, but they'll never go back to the way they were before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was a good way to approach it. You know, it, it definitely made you feel safe, made you feel like, um, you know, you were you were a priority to to your business. Yeah. So yeah, it was. You know, I'm sure they you know listen to the podcast, but you know, thumbs up from <laughs> from from Kurt. You know that that, that was a, a great I'll, way to I'll handle it. I'll reach out to them and let them know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I thought they did a great job. I thought that was uh, that was really good. Uh, number six trend that they were talking about was. Uh, invest in revenue and sales operations. Um, you know, we talked a little bit, and, and I think a lot of the things that we've talked about before, the trends that are kind of leading up because they all impact this one, right. uh, invest in revenue sales operations. And I hope what I say doesn't come off as controversial. <laughs> but when I thought about this, like when, when I read through it and kind of thought about this, they were really talking about kind of your, your sales team your sales channel um and i I thought you know in most organizations that i have worked and again this is a complete generalization it's completely my opinion and only my opinion uh so definitely you know my two cents and worth less sales the sales folks have typically been people that i'm going to classify as people that don't have hard skills 
what I mean is they typically can't use uh, like the computer programs, like even basic like Word, Excel, um, PowerPoint, what have you. What they are really, really good, the skill that they're really good at, which I think is a soft skill, is interpersonal. Mm-hmm. They can talk with people. They get along well with people. Um, and they maximize that. We're getting to a point where um, because of the shifts in how customers you know, uh, purchase and the shift in data analytics, um, that kind of this, I'm going to call it willy-nilly style of, of sales yeah. that's not very structured, everybody kind of does what they want, isn't as effective. And so when they're talking about investing in your sales operations, they're talking about making that more structured, more strategic, utilizing, uh, you know, sales compensation management, uh, you know, working with the finance team of Mm -hmm. how best to do that. Not just, you know what, we're going to give you this. You make a lot of money for us. I, I chuckle because... I, I agree with you to some extent. Mm-hmm. I think that the the younger, I guess, more recent college graduates, I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, on the sales side, and I'm just thinking about our company in general, it, as we've seen, they've kind of grown to, to be more analytical and have kind of those... Hard analytical skill sets where yes they're they're using and analyzing and they can you know do all the computer related stuff um and I, I do also agree yes um definitely you you have to understand from a compensation standpoint what is going to drive your folks to um understand what they need to know about growth so you you can't you can't just have customers that are going to come in and make one purchase and then you never see them again. Like right. that's not the goal. Like, yes, you want new business. And we're, if we're specifically talking about new business, you want new business that you, you know is going to continue to grow with you as you grow as a manufacturer. So, um, yes, I think, I think it's important from a sales compensation standpoint to, highlight that mm-hmm. and make sure that you're incenting the sales team to sure. to kind of push for that growth. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, again, a lot of the things I talk about are, are, are generalizations. There are exceptions to all of those rules. You know, there are people, sales guys that sure. are very analytical, have yeah. great hard skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Again, what I was referring to is kind of, again, in general, what I have experienced in my 20 years has been um, the opposite of that. Yeah. CRM systems, oversight, continuous improvement, Mm -hmm. standardization of what they're doing. And this is a tough one for sales guys. Every single one of them that I've ever met, again has their own process for what they go and do yeah. and trying to rein them in. And so that you have a repeatable process is, is, uh, is typically very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm 
Yes, I, w- I would agree with that. And I, I think it's, you, you have to have them understand that, why, kind of the, the why and the how. Sure. So if, if they can buy into the why and the how, uh, if you can get buy-in on that, then I think you're a lot better off mm-hmm. than if you, um, if, if you somehow, not, not to make it seem like they're not doing, what they're doing is not right. right. That's not true. Um, but like you said, to, to make it a, something that can be useful to everybody in the organization. Yeah, that's sales, repeatable. Sales-wide, yeah. Um, yeah, you've got to have kind of the, at least a base level standard work so that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be something that across your organization that they're going out and they're doing. Sure. It's, it's difficult to analyze and improve when... Everybody does it differently. There's right. No consistency. Or even the same person does it differently from, from step to step. Right. So, um, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you know, everything you said. Um, and again, in investing in these sales operations, business reporting and insights. So, you know... Where where are the sales coming from? Where should we spend our time? Uh, what you know? Uh, when are they happening? Is yeah. it cyclical? Are there trends to doing that? Um, a lot of businesses that I've worked with, it's um, the way they have approached what they do is well. I have a gut feeling. It's all anecdotal. Three times I did this and it didn't work. So the fourth time is definitely not. But then you can do true, like quantitative, qualitative analysis. Yeah. And you can show them that, well, 70% of the time this works. And the way you're doing it only works 20% of the time. Sure. Where are you going to spend your time? Right. And trying, again, as you mentioned earlier, trying to get them to, to get their buy-in. Um, and at least, in again, my experience, definitely two cents, definitely right. worth less. It comes down to if you do it this way, you're going to make more money. <laughs> well, that's the the whole thing, and and I <laughs> I'm laughing because all I can think about is uh, a quote from the movie Friday, where he's saying, you know, he's saying, "Messing with my money is like messing with my emotions," and, oh. and that's completely true. I think in a lot of cases that, uh, yeah, you again, if you can if you can convince them. That, hey, in the end, this is better for you. It's better for the company. It's better for the customer. Um, and you can show them that. And if you have the data, you can. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be hard. Uh, then, yeah. But, again, it's, it's, it's easy to say that in theory, but sometimes hard to convince them. And yeah, well, a lot of times when you're first trying to, to roll it out, you don't have that data. I mean, there, yeah. There's you, a, you have some generalized data, yes. but you don't have specific data to them. Yeah, you, you've got to have data that's pertinent to them and their customers and maybe their their sales area or whatnot, um, which, again, I think is, it's there. You just have to have the tools to be able to access it and, and use it. So Yeah. And the last thing they talked about was enablement tools for the sales force. So... Data collection tools that are uh, not only allow you to, to collect the data that you need to be able to, to do these types of analytics, but also tools uh, that are easy for them to use. 
Yes. I think in my, in my opinion, by far that is probably the most important is ease of use. Absolutely. Because I just, personal experience, uh, if it's not easy to use, 100% they will not use it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, we, we implemented a CRM system probably uh, five years ago. And it's not the one that, um, you know, the OEM manufacturer wanted us to, to implement. But the reason why is whenever I looked at what the OEM wanted us to implement is it was difficult for me to use. And and you're the one that knows how to use stuff. Right. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> one that everybody comes to whenever they have a computer problem. Yeah. And it was difficult for me to use. And I didn't, it, it wasn't intuitive. I didn't like it. Yeah. And I knew if I didn't like it and they didn't want to use it, like they it. definitely would not. Yeah. And so I went and found a tool that was very point and click, very simple, um, didn't have all the bells and whistles that yeah. the OEM tool had. Um, had mobile capabilities. Yeah, it had mobile capabilities. Yeah. And, uh, and it gave me what I needed to be able to, you know, I could, I had enough information to yeah. be able to make in, form decisions sure. and uh, make take actionable, you know, using it as yep. actionable data. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were things that they could, the OEM would say, well, look, I can tell you this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, that's great, but you're do collecting. Really need yeah, do yeah, need that? You're collecting data for the sake of collecting data. Yeah. And, um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's kind of the way we went. Um, you know, while there was still pushback, uh, it, I think it was far less than some other uh, companies that are kind of in our sure. our area had. Um, and, and right, wrong, or again, right, wrong, or indifferent, I say that a lot, but <laughs> litmus test for me to whether something was usable or not was could my father use this? Now, my father um, is a very blue-collar individual. Uh, he works with his hands. Mm-hmm. Um and when I tried to, I wanted a computer when I was in high school, uh, and he told me uh, computers were a fad. So, and, and I think he probably still believes that to this day. So, whenever I look at something uh, for my sales team, that that's kind of the litmus test I use. Can my father do use this? And if he can, then then it's okay for me to bring it right. to my sales team. Right. Um, may or may not work for you. Uh, depending on you know how your your father uh, was with uh, technology, but you know I, I think of it as the Reader's Digest version. I don't I don't yeah. need the Harvard Business Review. Right. I need the Reader's Digest of how to use this. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, that in a nutshell. I do want to touch a little bit on the Deloitte and Touche. Um, Deloitte Consulting. Oh, is Deloitte Consulting? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the accounting firm. Yeah, I apologize. You know. Good thing I have my wife here to, to tell me exactly what I don't know. <laughs> every day, honey, every day. Absolutely. <laughs> so navigating disruption. Uh, you know, we talked about all these things that are disruptions, um, you know, but some of the things we didn't talk about was, uh, you know, robotics, automation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those types of things are, are disrupting industries right now. Um, that's going to continue. Um, and, and how do you solve that? Like, you know. Are you going to – the reason why autonomous and, and all of this stuff is coming in is not only because of COVID, but people are realizing how unstable our supply chains are. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think this was all stuff that we knew 
needed to be done. But the fact that we had a pandemic just like accelerated the urgency right. around all of these things. Um, well, I think it, it, it showed everybody how fragile our our world really yeah. is. Yeah. If you if you thought you were okay, oh, this would never happen, or oh, we'd right. be fine without this. It's yeah, it it shone a huge light on <laughs> on areas maybe that were uh, not so bright before. So. Sure. Um, digital investment. We talked a little bit about some of the the tools and and what have you and mm-hmm. systems and stuff. The, their Deloitte's consultings look at this was really primarily, at least in my mind, it was more forecasting. They talk about they call it a digital twin, and they were doing modeling. They were yeah. looking at okay it was like business modeling and simulation. Is yeah, kind of what their approach was. Yeah, so whatever the inputs are that affect your business. They're yeah. they're replicating what's going on in the real world right. and then projecting if this then that right yeah and to show you where you have weak points right mm-hmm. and to tell you how this may or may not affect something else and and their point was it's much much cheaper to build this digital twin and modeling simulate and simulate it than it is to do it in the real world and say oops that was a mistake right yeah I agree so. It gives you, uh, I guess, levels of flexibility there because then you could say, well, if, like you said, if uh, if the economy goes south, yeah, you know, what happens? What's, here's what our financials look like. Yeah. So if we open this new plant, here's what's likely to happen. Yeah. Again, it's all a guess, but it's a better guess than than you might have otherwise. Maybe guesswork, educated guess, I'd say. Right. You know, based grounded in some truth <laughs> right right um manufacturers may expand their options to reduce exposure to trade and other disruptions so this was talking about supply chain resilience um we've talked about this on several podcasts before of kind of supply chains and mm-hmm. um how we thought you know people have talked about reshoring and that's going to happen um you know I, i've expressed my doubts that that's what will actually happen my guess is that more likely is um, we'll have something in. We'll have a, a manufacturing in, in a plant in China, but we're also going to have one in India. Uh, they're going to spread out across the world in different areas. Yeah. Um. So that if you have something that affects one, it doesn't affect all. Everybody. Yeah. They mentioned, uh, and again, they were talking specifically about manufacturers. But you know, in agriculture, you've had kind of this farm to table mm-hmm. movement, mm-hmm. and they felt like you might have more localized um, sorting or, or uh, sourcing of uh, you know inputs for whatever you're manufacturing. Again, I I think that that might happen to a small degree, but I don't think it's going to be. Well, and I just I just don't think it's I just don't think it's feasible if you're mm-hmm. a large operation. Maybe if you're a smaller manufacturer, more regional, maybe you could get away with that. But by no means for like a global size manufacturer, would you be able to do that? No, just economies of scale. Like, yeah. you know, like you guys buying aluminum or steel. Yeah, there's uh, you, no way. You know, <laughs> trying to say, you know, we're going to do it. Like the amount of cost that you would incur by yeah. doing that. I just, I don't, I don't think that's feasible. Right. Um, adapting to the new workplace. Um, disruption in the industry as well as, you know, a need for greater workforce agility. Uh, They were talking about, you know, 
everybody's going to be looking at ways to kind of re-architect their work and their workforce uh, to manage disruption and uncertainty. A pandemic type event could happen again. In fact, I saw the other day that in England that the COVID virus has already mutated. Oh, Lord. And so there's another strain. Uh, fortunately, it's not any more uh, deadly if you contract it yeah. than the current one, but it's evidently more transmittable than... More contagious. Yes, it's more okay. contagious than what they currently have. Okay. Now, they said that, um, I, I don't remember if it was Moderna or Pfizer, whichever one, mm-hmm. uh, one of their executives said that... Uh, They haven't tested it, obviously, but it's likely that the vaccine they have is a protection against this strain as well. But, you know, whether it's COVID or something else, this is going to happen again. Right. So understanding, you know, if you can have some type of a hybrid model where in the event that or uh, maybe not even hybrid is maybe not the right word, uh, contingency plan. Yeah. Uh, to mitigate that risk that if, again, if you have to work remotely that you can, like, what does that look like? Have a plan for it so that when it, not when, but, or not if, but when it happens, that you can implement that plan. Right. And uh, they they think that that's going to, you know, continue to uh, affect businesses over the next three years. Um, The last thing, and this wasn't on anybody's list. I think it was something I read somewhere else. If you look at kind of how the economy is going to go and what have you, you know, economists are saying that, you know, they think that probably by the end of 2021, we'll be back to pre, um, pre-COVID levels of, of uh, GDP and, and uh, job rates uh, or employment rates. And, you know, what, what's going to happen? They said, well, if you look at even more recent history, like, you know, uh, you had the dot-com bubble burst in mm-hmm. the late 90s. You had the uh, Great Recession in 2009. Uh, you had the pandemic recession here. Roughly every 10 years, we have some type of big recession. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, prepare now for 10 years from now to have something else happen, you know. Um, but 1918, they had the Spanish flu epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had World War One. There was a lot of things going on, a lot of disruption that happened. And then you had the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. Um, they expect from like a psychological standpoint that <laughs> when this is over, people can get out, when they can return to somewhat normalcy, yeah. that people are going to be freer with their money. Um, so you could see a, a lot of growth in the next mm-hmm. 10 years until the next yeah. recession. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, for folks that are have kind of stayed away and, you know, you're if you were lucky enough to continue to have a steady employment during mm-hmm. that time and if you're... I mean, you're just, you're spending less. So you've saved up money during this time, if you were lucky to be one of those folks. Um, yeah. I can I understand where people are like, man, get me out of my house. I, I want to travel. I want to travel. I want to spend my money on stuff. And I get that. 
Yeah, so, you know, COVID fatigue is a real thing. And, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, you know, everybody's tired of it, uh, and everybody's <laughs> looking for it. I know I am. Yes, 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 yes. As much as I love you and, and I love our daughter, <laughs> um, the house, the walls have been closing in for 10 months now. So. I hear you, bro. <laughs> all right, that's all we've got. Hopefully we didn't bore you guys to death. We appreciate you guys taking the time to... Uh, to listen to us and, and you know hear our thoughts and uh, the thoughts of Industry Week and uh, the folks at Deloitte Consulting and, and what they're looking at for 2021. Uh, you know, if you're out and about um, in, in an area that is uh, safe for you to do so, uh, enjoy a glass of Miomi. If you're not, uh, go to wine.com and order some and enjoy <laughs> it at your home. There you go. Uh, if you don't get it where you live, move. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Uh, We're hoping for a better 2021. Um, What is it? What are you supposed to eat? Cabbage? Cabbage, pork, and black-eyed peas. Yeah, so eat all that, and that's for wealth, health, and... I don't know. Luck? Luck, yeah. Wealth, health, and luck. All right, if you guys haven't, subscribe to us uh, on, on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud or... Uh, one of the 900 other podcast uh, services that we're a part of. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Happy holidays, y'all.